Welcome to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I'm Kristen Henke, your hostess with the mostest, guide from the side, and mistress of ceremonies. Together, we're about to explore and deconstruct the shame and stigma surrounding our sexuality. You heard that right. We're going deep on the topics of sex, relationships, spirituality, health, and everything else that impacts our ability to live, love, and orgasm freely. My hope is to shine a light on our shared experiences by normalizing taboo topics and empowering each of you to reclaim autonomy of your pleasure, your bodies, and your lives. You are now entering a judgment-free zone where I ask all the uncomfortable and embarrassing questions for you. Our unofficial mantra is be curious, not judgmental. So leave your inner prude at the door or strap her in tight because this is happening. Kristen, I'm back for my second solo episode. Uh, I am not a great podcast host in the way that I don't remember what the number is for my first one, but if you just scroll back, uh, we're a fairly new podcast, so it's not that far of a scroll trip to find the first one I did where I got real raw and real real about a lot of shit, and I'm about to do it again. If you're not familiar also, if you haven't heard the first solo episode, it's just me. I don't have a guest today. I don't have a friend. It is me, myself, and I just coming to you, shooting straight from the heart, talking about things that are on my mind. And this time I actually took questions. And so I'm going to try my very best to hit on all of the questions. This is my first time doing this. So... You guys will have to give me feedback afterwards and tell me if it worked or not. If you would rather me arrange your questions into kind of themed episodes in the future where I'm kind of talking about the same, the same things, um, happy to do that, but I'm, I'm just going to bounce around for this one and try to get to all of the, the pressing questions that came in. Also, I am set up with my baby monitor and hoping that little Miss James sleeps for this entire recording. (laughs) If not, uh, you know, it's real life over here as usual. So we may have her joining us, but anyway, let's just, let's dive right in. Shall we? So one of the first questions I got was how to feel sexy when there is no desire to get out of workout clothes, put on makeup, etc. And then this person added on quarantine intimacy in general? I think this is a great question. It is also similar to a question I got about keeping the romance alive after kids. And the reason, the reason is because my answer to both of these is basically the same. Here goes. So when you, there is the saying that where energy goes or where attention goes, energy flows, that, that school of thought. I feel like when you don't have the desire to be intimate, to be sexual, to be whatever, that is a signal that you probably need some space and time on your own to reconnect to yourself so that you have something to bring to the relationship. I think it's really common whenever we're just not feeling it to 
either assume that the magic is dead forever, which it's not. <laughs> we always think that. It could happen literally once a week and we're like, oh my God, the magic is dead. It's never coming back. And then Wednesday swings around and it's back. Um, or we sometimes think, because I definitely do this, that it's our partner's fault. That like if they would just do do more or like initiate more or try a little harder, then you would also want to. And I, I've definitely talked about this or at least written about this uh, on social before, but I really love Esther Perel's exercise of asking yourself what are the things that turn you off. And this is not like, what are the things that turn you off about your partner? This is, I turn myself off when I. So you are taking responsibility for your desire, for your pleasure, for your sexual expression, for your intimate connection. You're bringing it back to you and you are bringing it within your own ability to to address the issue. You're, you're taking back power over the situation. It can feel really power, powerless when you're like, oh, I you know, feel like my sex life is tanking or I haven't been intimate with my partner and there's probably something going on between us, but like, I don't know what it is. So it like puts you in a victim space where it's like something happening to you instead of you being a co-creator in the process. So that exercise, um, I apply that to both of these questions as far as like how to feel sexy when, you know, when, when you just don't, like how do you get that back? And then keeping romance alive, whether you have kids or not, even if you've been in a long-term relationship and it's dying, that question of I turn myself off when brings it right back home to you. So for me, an example would be, I turn myself off when I criticize my own body. I had a baby four months ago. Don't always love what I see in the mirror. Sometimes I go down a dark spiral. Sometimes I pick and I comment and I let myself chatter go wild. And I feel like a pile of shit when I let that happen. And I don't feel desirable and I don't feel sexy and I don't feel like anybody could want me when I allow that kind of toxic spiraling to happen. Okay, so that's like one example. Um, I turn myself off when... I bite my partner's head off <laughs> when I don't give myself a beat to take a deep breath and respond patiently. I turn myself off when I allow myself to get caught up in gossip about somebody. I mean, they don't, these things don't always have to do with your body directly, but these are things that can make you feel like a garbage person. And guess what? Like you don't want to have sex with a garbage person and you then assume that your partner doesn't want to have sex with a garbage person either. Um, or if we're getting to like, you know, talking about quarantine, like this weird state of the world that we're in right now, I turn myself off when I don't get dressed or I turn myself off when I don't take a shower for four days and I start to smell a little funky. I turn myself off when I let my hair get so dirty that it looks greasy. These are things that keep us from feeling our best, that keep us from feeling like sexually desirable partners. And it has nothing to do with the other person in the relationship. So always turning it back around to you. And again, like keeping romance alive, connecting, bringing back that sexy feeling when it's not there. These things apply to both of these questions. So as far as they both go, for me personally and for my husband personally, sending that attention to the lack of sexuality is what, what gets the energy there. So if I'm feeling like we're disconnected, if I'm feeling like not getting out of my yoga pants, it's counterintuitive, but you just, you, the answer is you have to. 
you absolutely have to. If you feel gross in your yoga pants and you don't feel motivated, this is the only time ladies specifically, but you know, also guys, I'm just speaking from my personal experience as a woman. This is the only time that I would ever encourage anyone to fake it until you make it. (laughs) Um, Otherwise, I would say always just communicate what you want so that you can get the real thing so you don't have to pretend like it's happening when it's not. But in this case, this is that sending energy there and like waiting for everything else to follow. So faking it till you make, make it. I rarely want to get dressed. I rarely want to actually do anything to my hair. I don't feel the need. It feels silly to put on any kind of makeup or perfume or anything like that. But the second, and I am not even kidding, the second I do it, I feel so effing good. I really do. So just what this, what this practice looks like in my own experience and in my own life, a couple weeks ago, um, shortly after my husband, Mike and I recorded our episode, uh, about sex after the baby, you know, and, and he had made a comment in the episode that one of the things that he was struggling with was just that he wasn't like blaming me for it because obviously I just had a baby and we're in quarantine, but he, he brought up the clothes thing. He was like, yeah, I mean, your hair is always, he said it much nicer. I can't remember exactly how he said it, but what I heard was your hair is always messy and you're always in sweatpants and look kind of like a slob. He didn't say that. Don't send hate mail to Mike. He didn't say that. That's just what, that's how I interpreted it. Um, and it didn't hurt my feelings because it's true. That is true. Basically I was no longer like he was saying in a nice way. I haven't put any effort into, you know, my appearance, my appearance, which I mean, that's fair. Like we were talking about things that keep us from feeling attracted to each other. And that was, that was something he brought up. And honestly, when he said it, it kind of surprised me because I forget, I super forget that that matters. Like I kind of thought he didn't care. (laughs) Uh, I don't know why, but no, I do know why actually it's because he is not somebody like he doesn't just throw compliments around and I'm not, I'm not really a words of affirmation person. I'm, I'm more of a, when it comes to the five love languages, that's what I'm referring to. I'm more of a quality time and physical touch person, but obviously I appreciate compliments from my partner and, um, they're not super common. He doesn't just go around handing them out. So when he does, they're like, whoa, like he must really be feeling it or he really think that. And I value them a lot. But since he doesn't, um, talk about, like he doesn't comment on my appearance very often, I kind of forget that it's a thing. So anyways, Um, so he brought that up. So I was thinking about it and, you know, basically we hadn't been having as much sex as I wanted and I really was desiring him, but I was having trouble feeling confident in initiating just because, you know, things have gotten wonky. And if you're, you know, going through this time in quarantine with your partner, like this may be something you're going through too, whether there's a new baby involved or not. But I decided that I was going to create a date night for us at home. I mean, we can't go anywhere. So I got the baby put down before he got home so that she wouldn't be um, a distraction, you know, so that he didn't have to go into dad mode the minute he got to the apartment, put her down. I ordered Thai food from our favorite place for him to pick up on the way. I had gone over to Trader Joe's and I grabbed a box of our favorite freezer chocolate croissants for the morning after. I grabbed a bottle of wine. I got some dessert. I got candles. And I came home and I put on real pants and a cute top. I actually did my hair. I put on some makeup and I put a little spritz of my like sexy perfume on that I save for date nights. 
and I spread out a blanket on the floor, lit the candles. Like I did a full on picnic, found a movie and just like, you know, just like did any little thing I could to make it feel different than inhaling our food, like standing over the counter while passing the baby back and forth and, you know, like being covered in vomit and, you know, and grossness and general parenting grossness. So that, I mean, that did not result in sex the way I had wanted it to because the baby woke up and by 8 p.m. my husband and my baby were sleeping on me and I was drinking wine alone and watching reruns of 30 Rock, but it paid off in dividends the next day. Okay, so he also said like later that night he was by me and he he like smelled my neck and was like, oh my God, you smell amazing. And I was like, ooh, I smell amazing. I mean, that's the first time he said that to me in so long, which, you know, given everything, it probably was true. That was the first time in maybe four months that I smelled amazing. But I like took that little note, that little nugget and I hit it. And so now I try really hard just a couple times a week to put on perfume. Even if I don't do everything else, I will like pull my hair up. I will put on at least vomit-free clothes before he comes home. And I will do a little spritz of perfume on my wrists or the back of my neck. And because he always comes in and he kisses me on the back of my neck and then he smells it. And then he associates that with good things. And then mama gets sex on Wednesday instead of having to wait till Saturday. Like this is, this is, it doesn't take much, you guys. Like it really doesn't. So effort, effort is important actually putting energy into the thing is important. You feel better. Like you really do. When you do try, even though the motivation isn't there, if you just, I promise you, if you just like go through the actions, you will get there. You actually will get there and you will remember what it felt like to be a real human and to be put together and to feel good about yourself. And it makes it so much easier than like, it was amazing how high my confidence was because I knew that I was clean and I smelled good, you know? (laughs) Like, of course, I'm stressed out that um, if I approach him smelling like three-day-old breast milk and sweat and tears and I ask for sex and then he's like not feeling it, like, yeah, I'm not really setting myself up for success there. However, you know, when I know that I'm clean and my hair is shiny and I am giving off like recently showered energy, I mean, the likelihood of things happening much higher, much, much higher. So I hope that is helpful. Um, and, and sex intimacy, they are not necessarily interchangeable, but the same general concept applies. Um, you just, you have to bring intentionality to it. You have to actually plan for it. It's not going to be spontaneous right now. Things are weird. Things are not normal and it's okay to admit that and like stop trying to go on day after day as if they are and then wondering what's wrong with you because you can't like be like you usually are like things aren't normal so acknowledging that first accepting that giving yourself grace that's okay and then literally just like taking stock of the things that matter to you and putting your time and energy into making sure that those survive this weird time so if you need an intimacy date you know go do curbside pickup for your favorite pastries and coffee and you know put on your joint calendar that you're having a coffee date and then show up with, you know, a a list of topics that are on your mind and your heart that you want to share with your partner and do that. That that can look like a lot of other things, but just like make it special. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be elaborate. Just that intentionality, just like, Hey, I care about this enough. Like I want to connect with you and I want to connect with you at this time. And I'm bringing the coffee and the donuts. Okay. Um, 
Give me your feedback on that. Let me know if that's helpful to you in any way. All right, moving on to the next thing. Um, it's funny because the next, the, the rest of the questions, they all kind of, they all kind of flow together, I think. So they're all around, <laughs> this is going to be super funny for me. They're all around um, when I was single essentially. And I'm so happy to talk about this because I know that a lot of my listeners are single. You guys are not, you know, married or even in a long-term partnership necessarily or have kids. And that's like the new phase I'm in. So I definitely feel like I, I talk about that a lot, which is normal, but I don't want to, I don't want to neglect my, my singles because I ripped up singlehood. Um, and I enjoyed a lot of it. So it, you know, it was, it's, been seven years since I was single and uh, I'm going to try and reconnect to that as much as I can. You guys know how that goes. You kind of get amnesia about like certain things, but I'm really, yeah, I'm excited to, to share what I have and I hope that it is helpful. So the first question I had was around finding confidence when dating. This is a two-part question. Finding confidence when dating and staying in my feminine energy while holding strong boundaries. So yeah, these are two different things from the same person. Um, okay, finding confidence when dating. This one was interesting because if I'm being really honest, I feel like my confidence when I was single was mostly me faking it. It really was um, because gosh, like when I think back to when I was single, I, my primary single years, you guys were from 20 to 23. Like I met my, who would, the guy who would become my husband when I was 23 and we started dating just like exclusively a couple of months later and it's been us ever since. So the, but those, you know, those three years, um, I, you know, I was in my early twenties. I was 20 to 23. Do you remember, do you remember what a baby you were, uh, or still are? I know it doesn't feel like you're a baby at that time, but when you get to 30 and you look at 23, you're like, shit, I was a baby. Um, so I was still during that time, I was still really struggling with body image issues, with a toxic relationship with food and exercise, with trying to establish my my worth, my worthiness in the world through sexual empowerment. Uh, you know, I was on, I was on a trip. Like I was evolving. I was learning. I was failing miserably. You know, I was doing, I was having the messy human experience that I think pretty much all humans are, you're supposed to go through. You have to go through that stuff so that you know how it feels to be a garbage human so that you want better for yourself and you can evolve into a decent human being. I mean, I truly believe that that journey looks different for everybody, but mine was very much me using my body to get the things that I want. And I don't mean that I was like professionally, I was not making money. I was not, um, stripping or, or, you know, hookering or anything like that. Uh, no judgment on anybody who may be needing to do that to, uh, make ends meet or empower themselves or whatever. Not going to get into that, but I was not doing that. But what I mean was, I mean, I'm a very embodied person. I was using my looks and my sexual charisma to feel my way through the world and to uh, make statements and to claim power and to, you know, to, to, to do a lot of stuff. Um, 
I, I think that's probably, a, I mean, that's a fairly common female experience. I don't know how it shows up for everybody else. I'm only speaking about my personal experience. So it was, it was very much an up and down kind of thing. Like the confidence, the confidence came from me constantly being affirmed by other people, which was, which is not healthy. I'm going to say that. Um, because, you know, I would be at home, like looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like, Ooh, if I could just lose like five more pounds or, Oh my gosh, like I'm getting, uh, my body is out of control. I need to go like get a wax or I need to go on a juice cleanse or I need to go get another layer of terrible spray tan, or I need to get my my nails and my toes done, or I need to get my hair done again. Or, you know, like I was constantly, constantly, constantly picking at my body and my appearance and trying to be perfect as perfect as I could be and hating myself and exercising a million times a day and eating nonsense. I mean, in my early twenties, I literally at some, at one point I was on this stupid ass diet that I don't remember where it came from, but I was literally eating like one piece of toast with a tablespoon of peanut butter on it at breakfast. I was eating huge tubs because I was allowed to have endless vegetable, like water-based vegetables. So I would eat these monster tubs, even in the middle of winter, of like cucumber and watermelon and shit like that. I could have a hard-boiled egg for a snack, and then I would eat like crap at dinner because I was starving. So I would like work out, work out, work out, and then I would eat like basically my, all of my calories in like French fries and a salad at dinner. And then I, I was saving calories so that I could drink basically. Um, so that I could have champagne and tequila all weekend long and then start over on Monday. It was terrible, really terrible, but I was thin and I was tan and I was super blonde and I was well manicured and you know, lots of dudes like that. And so I was getting a lot of of the, the kind of male attention that I was seeking. And therefore I felt like I was hot shit, you know, at least while I had the male gaze on me. Once I got home, it was like, let's start the process over and make sure that we're like all teed up for the next weekend. Um, and so, you know, that, that was, I looked really confident. I appeared really confident, but inside I wasn't inside. I was scared inside. I thought I wasn't good enough inside. I thought I always needed to do something else to be better. And that was really shitty. And then, you know, honestly, sometime around that 23, 24 mark, I finally came to the conclusion that I was worth more than my body and what I looked like and that I had other stuff to offer and that is when I really, you know, I had an interesting experience with Mike, like going from friendship to relationship, which I'll touch on briefly. And then I will probably do a whole episode with him about that at some point. Um, but I, I went through an experience that would have rocked my self-confidence, you know, before, but at the time in my life when it happened, I had just had this epiphany that I'm really funny like really funny. And I am smart and I'm witty and I have like a dark, unique, super clever sense of humor. And I am giving and I am good at anything that I actually focus my attention on, that I actually give appropriate time and, you know, respect to. And this is not me tooting my own horn. This is me recognizing what a quality human being I am. Like outside, like all the stuff on the inside without my body coming into it. And I truly, 
and I, I know this might sound cliche and you might be like, oh, I was hoping you would tell me something else. But unfortunately, the truth of the matter is I got truly fucking confident when I embraced all the powerful shit about myself that had nothing to do with my body. Because then I was able to be like, you know what? Take or leave my body. Like I am a fucking amazing person. And if you are not down with, with the person, then you don't deserve the shell either. You don't deserve the pretty packaging that it comes in. So like you either like what's on the inside or you don't. And I kind of got to that. I finally got to that, like, take your or leave it place. And that's, I mean, that is ongoing. That is evolving lifelong work, you know, because every, I think every decade, every, you know, every year when you get a year older, if you have a baby, if you go through significant grief, if you like, there are lots of things that change our hormones and our bodies. And so this is an ongoing, like the practice of, recognizing the beauty of our whole person and not getting hung up in the external shit, especially since we are culturally conditioned to, to do that. Um, that, I hate it when that happens to me. Totally. I was like rolling super, super flowing hardcore. And then my brain just like dropped and went empty. What the F was I talking about? Oh, just inner confidence. Yes. And having to constantly come back to that, to that place of self-acceptance, to come back to that place of grace for yourself and to continually take stock of everything you have to offer that is not external and allowing that to lead you and allowing your confidence and your sense of worth to come from there because self-worth is our birthright. Like we were born worthy. We don't have to do anything to earn it. We are worthy. Every single one of us, exactly as you are right now, whether you are your goal weight or not, whether you are in the career you want or not, whether you are in a marriage or a relationship or not, we're all inherently worthy. And so just learning to accept that and coming back to that truth over and over and over, that's where true confidence comes from. I hope that is helpful. Uh, again, like that has, that was my experience, um, this, as far as the second part of the question, I mean, it's a totally different question. So staying in your feminine while holding boundaries during dating, you know, this is, <laughs> this is an interesting question because it is completely, a, I mean, it is, it is such a load of absolute horse crap that, that, I mean, that this is even a thing like it is. So let's acknowledge that, but let's also acknowledge that it's crap, that it's a thing. Um, because holding boundaries, telling someone no, uh, teaching someone how to treat you with respect, holding people accountable, that is not a masculine trait. Like that is just like, like any, everyone does that. Everyone needs that. Um, and I think that, you know, I mean, if you've done any, any energy like research or whatever, if you, if you know a lot about feminine, masculine energy, Actually, boundaries are more of, they do come from the masculine side, but only because the feminine is wild as fuck, like the ocean. And the feminine wants to just freaking drown your ass. And so you should be grateful that I am able and evolved enough to pull from the masculine energy in order to give you a nice, neat boundary instead of just leveling you. So I think that, again, not a professional um, on this, but my personal opinion, since you asked me, 
is that, you know, I, I think staying really calm and being grounded in your body, I think giving boundaries for me, especially I know we're in quarantine right now. So like sometimes you have to send a text, especially if you're like trying to navigate virtual dating and all this stuff, you're going to have to send texts and you're just, you need to be straightforward for sure. Um, and if they can't handle that, that has nothing to do with your femininity. You're not being unfeminine because you are standing up for yourself or demanding respect. That's not unfeminine. And it's like super patriarchal to like, to, for anyone to say that or suggest that. Um, but I like, I like laying out boundaries, especially when I was dating in person, because it is easier. Like our feminine energy is super embodied and it's so much easier to stay embodied when the person is sitting across from you. Like when you can, when you can physically interact with somebody, you can think about, you know, pulling your breath down into your lower belly instead of your chest, instead of breathing up high in your chest and in your nose, like really centering and grounding yourself, having both feet fat, flat on the floor. But then you can bring that feminine softness to it by leaning into the person, by making eye contact, by allowing your hair to be loose and flowy and by like wearing a cute outfit and then laying down the fucking law, you know, like... That's not, um, I'm sure like a spiritual teacher wouldn't put it that way or, you know, any of these like feminine wholeness people, but that's, I mean, that's, that's my take on it. That's what I would, that's what I would do personally. And that's what I did. You know, I had to do that a lot. And sometimes, sometimes they didn't deserve the soft approach. Some people were just being completely irresponsible, disrespectful douchebags and just needed to be told what the fuck is up. You know what I mean? So sometimes you just have to go in and you're like, it doesn't matter if you think that this is feminine or masculine or whatever, like you are disrespecting me. That is not acceptable. You will get soft, sexy side back when you can treat me like somebody, you know, worthy of respect. Again, you know, not take it or leave it. Everything that I am offering um, it's completely optional. This is an a la carte situation. Pick the things that resonate with you and leave everything else or throw it in the trash. Don't really care. Um, but I'm here for you. And if you want to give me feedback and let me know if it was helpful or if you want me to get deeper or whatever, like this person in particular has my number. So <laughs> call me, text me, and we'll talk about it more. Um, yeah. Okay. I think that's my thought on that. I got a little fired up. I don't know. I, I, you know, sometimes when I get fired up, I don't know if I'm being helpful or if I'm just like ranting, but there you have it. Hopefully it was at least entertaining. Okay. Um, this was, uh, this was a funny question. The craziest thing that I've ever done for love. Somebody wanted to know the craziest thing I've ever done for love. I mean, I could think of, <laughs> I could think of a lot of like stupid things that I did because I thought I was in love. Um, but I think the craziest thing I ever did for bona fide love was quitting a job and moving to France for, it ended up being um, almost four months, but it was at the time, it was an undetermined period of time um, with Mike, who at the time was my boyfriend and we had only been dating for just like right at a year, like we were coming up on a year and he got this opportunity with his job to go to France. And 
you know, we kind of had like an unsexy conversation where it was like, I mean, it's only been, it's been a year and the opportunity could potentially last up to a year. So he was like, I mean, if I move to France for a year, like long distance is probably not going to be a thing. Um, And if you don't want me to go, I won't go. But like, what do you think? And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's go to France. And I moved to France with him. And that was crazy. But I was in love with him. And I, I knew he was my person. Like I, I legitimately knew. So I, <laughs> I also told him, I remember us having the conversation. I told him, I was like, well, you know what? If this doesn't work out, if like shit hits the fan and this is the end of our relationship, at least I got a trip to France because I had never been at that point And I desperately wanted to go. <laughs> And I was like, you know what? I will, I will hold on to your shirt tail um, and just see where this takes me. So some people would say that was crazy. I didn't have any kind of like, I mean, other than us being in a, in a monogamous um, dating relationship of almost a year, like I didn't have any deep commitment from him. I had no reason to believe that things would end the way that end up the way they have, which is you know, married and baby and lots of world travel under our belts now. Um, but that was all new. Like everything was still in the air when I decided to do that. So that was, that, that's pretty crazy. Like even looking back, I'm like, girl, that's nuts. But I'm so glad I did. Dude, sometimes it pays off to be nuts. Um, and then the last, well, what I'm going to make the last question. Um, I did get some questions about the postpartum journey. And I just want to tell you right now, the A, I'm still in the middle of it, still on it, coming up with like new lessons and goodies and gems like every single day, I will probably do an entire solo episode on the postpartum journey. So if you ask me a question about postpartum, just hang in there. I'm going to get to it. I just didn't feel like I could give it enough. I couldn't give it the attention and the time that the topic really deserves along with all of these other things. So I'm going to come back to that. Uh, and then the last question I got, someone asked, um, how I took my, (laughs) how I took my friendship to the next level. Um, and I'm going to be honest, the person who asked me this, this was everybody asked these questions through Instagram. I don't know who this person is because they have like an, uh, like a, a nondescript, like it's not their name for their account and their account is only pictures of food. So it could literally be anybody. I don't know if this person knows any, like, I don't know if I know them or not. I don't know if they're a stranger. I don't know if they know anything about mine and Mike's story. Um, cause they just said, you know, they just said, how did I take my relationship to the next level? Uh, so yeah, I'm interested. I'm interested to know you person who asked. Um, yeah, that's always a little strange. Um, social media is, is a, is a weird place. We're living in a weird time, you guys. Um, but that, I thought that was a, that was a fair question and I'm happy to answer it again. Um, because this does involve Mike so much, I think we're definitely going to have uh, an, an episode all about like how, how we met and everything. But essentially the short version goes like this. And this is the extremely honest version too. For a long time, I had shame around how we met our story. Like I, I didn't feel like it was very cute. I didn't, um, I wasn't particularly eager to tell it to people because I felt like it made me look bad. But, you know, I'm in the business of eradicating shame and I don't sign up for shame anymore. So that's all done. But we used to joke all the time, like when someone would be like, how did you guys meet? We'd be like, "Um, do you want the grandparent version or the real version? Like what we tell the people that we don't really like want them to know the truth or, you know, like what actually happened. So if I were to tell you the real version quickly, 
it would be that when I met my would-be husband, I was having sex with his roommate, (laughs) who was also his best friend from college. And um, it wasn't, we weren't, the roommate and I were not in a relationship. We were just friends. Like we had met in a ridiculous, funny Nashville way. And we were basically just having casual sex and talking about books and music and having a nice time. Um, And he had told me about Mike uh, multiple times he'd come up in conversation and, but I hadn't met Mike and even, you know, in like being at their apartment and all these things for several months, I think it was from like April to July, just back and forth had never run into Mike. And so that was, I thought that was really funny. Um, and I, I trust, I definitely trust the timing of my life. I don't think had I met Mike in April, I would have, I wasn't ready for him and I didn't, Obviously, I had no way of knowing how significant he would be, but had I met him in April, I wouldn't have been ready. And so uh, the night that I met him, I was, you know what? We don't even have to go into that. That's more of a Mike story. Taking it to the next level. Basically, the thing, the reason that's important is because when I met him, I had no intention. Like, there was no reason to think that I would ever be romantically entangled with that guy, right? Like, having sex with his roommate, I'm clearly not going to be like oh, we will date one day. Like, that's not a thought that I had. So our relationship started off um, as a platonic friendship. Basically, we sparked, we had like friend chemistry. I didn't know it was real chemistry, but we had friend chemistry and we started hanging out and it just got more and more often, you know, as things do. Cue any like friends trying to stay friends when they're attracted to each other, like movie that you've ever seen. And just, that's basically the story of Mike and I, we hung out. I played it super cool. Um, after a couple of months, I realized that I was into him, but he was still very much living that single life. And I had agreed, you know, at the beginning that we were just friends and that I wasn't interested in him. And I had said that. And so I realized that I was into him, but I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could say anything about it. And so I just pretended like I wasn't and all the time, you know, the, the tension is growing. I, every time he goes on a date is like a dagger. I'm like getting jealous and all this stuff is happening. Uh, I do like the low for me was when I realized like I had kept, I had like kept my whole weekend clear because I thought we were going to hang out and then he had planned dates and I didn't have any plans and I was so like embarrassed and also like really mad and jealous that I literally stayed home. I didn't go out with any of my friends. I stayed home in my yoga pants and was watching How I Met Your Mother reruns and eating cinnamon toast crunch on the couch. And he texted me to ask me how my weekend was going. And I lied and told him that I was like out at a bar, (laughs) but I was literally sitting at home being so sad and eating cereal. Um, because that's what you do when you're in your early twenties, you play fucking games. So I was doing that. And then it basically, everything came to a head. Um, Again, I'm going to wait to share the details of that story until Mike can be with me to um, represent his side of the story. But essentially something happened um, that was not okay with me. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I am done with this. I'm done with this like weird in-between friendship kind of thing. Like at this point we had already made out and had sex and, you know, a couple of other things while I was still trying to be super cash and pretend like it didn't matter, which was not, um, 
you know, obviously like I realized I, I had a moment of clarity where I was like, oh, this is not okay with me. Like I'm investing emotionally into this person and he is just like living his life and not thinking about me. And I am done with that because I'm better than that. And you know, that's what I'm saying. I don't know anything about like his inner dialogue or where he's at or what's going on because we haven't talked about it like adults because we're still acting like children. So in my moment of clarity, um, you know, I gathered up all of my self-worth and dignity and I basically, um, did what any mature adult would do. And I sent him a text message <laughs> and I said, I literally said, Hey, look, I know that when we met, this is where we both were, um, emotionally, relationally, etc." And I, you know, you are still there and I am not, I have actually developed, I put it all out there. I was like, I have actually developed feelings for you. I can't do this anymore. I'm done with this. And I, and because we had an agreement when we started this about where we were, like I'm the one who's changed, not you. So I'm not asking anything of you. I'm not asking you to change anything. I'm not asking you to give up anything. I am just removing myself from the equation because this is no longer working for me and it's hurting me. Like end of story, mic drop. Like I was planning to send that text and then literally delete his number and never talk to him again. And instead he wrote back, um, <laughs> I wish, I wish I had those texts. Like I really do because I felt like so strong and empowered. And I was like, boom, gotcha. Um, and what's really hilarious and why I want Mike to come back so that we can argue about this on air in front of you is that he says that I gave him an ultimatum and I was like, no, it's not an ultimatum. An ultimatum is if I had said, Hey, you need to pick me or her. Or if I said, Hey, if you don't stop doing this, I'm out of here. I didn't give him an option. I said, this isn't for me anymore. I'm leaving. Goodbye. Like that is not an ultimatum. I didn't ask him for anything. I wasn't trying to leverage anything. I had every intention of walking away and never looking back. So I stand by that, Michael Hanke. Anyways, I, so I, I, I lowered the boom and was prepared to walk away. I mean, I was laying on my couch, but you know what I mean? I was really prepared to um, emotionally walk away. And he basically wrote me back and said something to the effect of like, or we could just stop dicking around and like do this for real and like be in a relationship which to be fair, this is the first time we'd actually had like straightforward words about like what we wanted. And I was like, oh yeah, I mean, I guess I'm like, I'm going to be a pissy for a couple of days over, you know, what happened that brought me to this place in the first place. But yeah, I guess, I guess we could try having a relationship. And that was pretty much it. After that, um, I, as kind of like punishment penance for, um, the situation that we will talk about later, I, made him go to a black tie, uh, ballroom dance competition event, because, um, in case you guys didn't know, I used to be a ballroom, a competitive ballroom dancer. And I would like to get back to that one day. Um, but I also worked for a quack, a crazy quack of a man who was a very well-known ballroom dancer in Nashville, in the Nashville circuit. And, um, he, there was an event going on and I was his personal assistant. And so I had to go. And so I made Mike go. And I mean, that's all she wrote, man. Like once, once we had that conversation and we, um, we showed up to it as an, as a relationship, as a monogamous relationship, it was, it was on like we had, you know, of course, like every couple, we had a couple of pretty gnarly, um, interactions, uh, what scenarios, uh, you know, crises, whatever in the, in the first, I would say like in the first year and a half, um, 
as far as just like deciding if we were going to keep it going or not, keep moving forward. And every single time it was like, you know what, like despite whatever is going on, like I would rather work through this with you than like, than not have to deal with this with anyone else. So we have been together ever since you guys. And I literally love him more with every passing day. I could not be more obsessed with him, with our marriage, with this incredibly entertaining, colorful, varied, wonderful life that we are slowly building together. I am like, it is one of the greatest honors of my life to be his baby mama and to have had his baby. Like I, I just, I'm obsessed. I freaking love him. I love that man with all of my heart and all of my body and everything. So gross. I know. Yeah, that's, that's it. I think that's it. <laughs> that brings me to, um, to the end of that batch of questions. I am always happy to give more detail to, uh, you know, respond to follow-up questions. So listen to the episode. Let me know what you thought. Feel free to share on social media, DM me questions, concerns, um, you know, shock, whatever. I'm here for you guys. You know that I'm here for you guys. I love you. I'm here to support you. I really hope that this episode did that. And if you have questions, like now that you've heard kind of how I answer questions, if you want to put a question on blast, send it to me and I will get to it in the next solo episode. But please do give me feedback, you guys. This is podcasting is still such a new experience for me. I want these episodes to be jam-packed with juiciness and humor and entertainment and also like real substance. So I want to be sure that I'm putting out quality content for you guys and your feedback literally means everything to me. Um, also I would like to remind you that I now have a Patreon page set up for nothing confidential. And if you are not familiar with what that is, it is a platform that helps creators like me, um, get support from my community. So you guys who are listening, there is the opportunity to basically like sign up for a monthly contribution of five or $10 that goes towards helping me produce the show and paying for all the tools and everything that I use to, to make the show. And in return, you get exclusive content from me. So if that is something, if you love the show, if you would like to see it um, continue, that is always an option. And it is so, so, so appreciated because at the moment the podcast doesn't make any money and I, it is my love letter. It is my passion. And I am so happy to continue putting out this, this, you know, content for free. Um, but it definitely like eases the stress and makes my life, uh, so much, so much, easier, um, to have that support. So it means a lot. And thank you from the bottom of my heart to the people who are already subscribed and supporting the show. Uh, and if you don't have money to give, that's totally cool. There are other ways you can support the show. You can screenshot it. You can share it. You can tag it. You can download it every week. You can subscribe. You can leave me a little five-star review or even four stars. If it's not that great, four stars is fine. Um, anything less than that's kind of mean, but I'm happy to take four stars because I have room to improve. Or you can write me a review. Any of those things support the show, helps get my mission out there. And again, like that mission, the heartbeat behind this whole thing, behind all of these conversations and the guests that I have on, is to normalize conversations around things that should not be shameful, stigmatic, or taboo, and to really help empower 
everyone who was listening to ask more questions, get really curious and reclaim autonomy of their lives and their pleasure and their bodies so that they can be whole, fulfilled, badass people. Cool? Cool. Love all of you. I will see you next week. Hey, thank you so much for hanging in there and listening with an open and curious heart. I hope this conversation has inspired, educated, and entertained you, or at the very least, shaken things up in a productive way. Ann Voskamp says that shame dies when stories are told in safe places. So please share, rate, and review. Sending you love and dark chocolate. Talk soon.